We are into the last sermon in the series we've been doing around Advent, the Old Testament pictures uh, of, the, of, of the Jesus story. One story, one person, one plan, one goal, one song. And today, to, to bring it to an end, I want to talk about the Redeemer. Uh, and to that end, I want firstly to look at just one verse in Isaiah, uh, chapter 9 and verse 6. Uh, is a can't not do the story without reading Isaiah 9 verse 6 for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace amazing words amazing words and then over uh, into Luke's gospel and I'm reading uh, the first seven verses. Again, very familiar passage of Scripture. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Just to there. And uh, as I say, I'm sure you know those words almost off by heart. So I want to talk about uh, the, the final topic of the Old Testament pictures, that of Redeemer, of Redeemer. And I want to say to you, this uh, series has been a joy uh, for me as we've worked through this Sunday by Sunday uh, it's been a joy to reflect on these Old Testament pictures uh, of Jesus, from Passover to atonement to refuge, and today, Redeemer. Or I'll put a subtitle on it that says, Enter Jesus. I thought a subtitle could be, Jesus, welcome to your world. Uh, maybe appropriate as well. I have a quotation uh, to start with. I have no idea... Uh, where it comes from. But I just love it. It goes like this. Christmas is love tugging you back to God with a powerful clasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. That's, that's cool, huh? In common terminology. Christmas is that time of the year when everyone is given permission uh, to think about the birth of Christ, if you think about it. And the implication of his life on ours. And so this whole series, in a sense, end, ends with me saying, enter Jesus the Redeemer. Enter Jesus the Redeemer. Because the whole, the whole Advent thing that we've done ends with, with the Redeemer, the entry of, of Jesus. There's a sense in which we want to say, welcome to your world, Jesus. And I want to just share some thoughts around that, around this concept of Redeemer. 
Isaiah is looking ahead and reflecting on who Jesus is going to be. A wonderful counselor uh, whose words and wisdom are going to be the kind of stuff you can build a life on. Or to use another word, a redeemer. A redeemer. And I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist uh, to see that the wisdom of the world we live in is less than a wonderful thing. Uh, there are enough problems going on around us uh, to last us a few lifetimes. Political systems have not and are not working. The slaughter of countless innocent people goes on unabated worldwide. Racial hostility, sexual promiscuity, political bickering, all these big words, materialism, poverty, etc., etc. It's a dark stain on the most modern and educated time in all of history. And yet we can't get it right. And yet we can't get it right. And I sense that people are longing to move away from all this worldly stuff. And I think for me, this is the, the reason for the season, to coin a hackneyed phrase. People are longing to move away from the worldly stuff and wanting to move towards something much more lasting and real. You with me? Could this something be that loving tug back to God of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw? The Redeemer, the Redeemer. Enter Jesus, the Redeemer. Isaiah said Jesus would be called what he was because his wisdom and teaching is true and will work for all individual lives, for society and for the world. One of the professors at Princeton University said this, that the only hope for a crime-ridden culture and world is a massive recommitment to personal spiritual development. He ended by saying this, we ought to be building more churches, not more prisons, or we will reap the whirlwind of our own moral bankruptcy. Well, <laughs> you know, you read that and you kind of say, oh, that hurt, that hurt. And I believe that more and more people are beginning to realize that it's time to respond to the loving tug of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw, turning us back to God, back to the Redeemer, or, or making us aware again of the coming of the Redeemer, because that's what this is about. Whether we like it or not, biblical Christianity is not working for many people. But it is working for the thoughtful ones, for the ones who understand, who know. Because you see, biblical Christianity changes lives for the better, whether we deny it or not. Biblical Christianity ennobles, ennobles our dreams, builds character, restrains temptation from evil, 
and generates hope. I mean, the one word really, if you think of the Christmas season, the word hope kind of encapsulates it all. That's what it's about. It's about hope. If Jesus is who he is, and he is the Redeemer, then we're all being tugged back to God and challenged to reconsider his counsel and his wisdom and build our lives on that. Let me ask another few questions. Who or what are we following? Who or what are we banking on? Whose counsel are we following? Whose path? Or more importantly, what path are we on? Is it working? Will it work beyond the grave? Another thing I want to say is that Isaiah says that he will be called Mighty God. Mighty God. People are still arguing about this. Still saying, come on, babies don't get born to virgins. God doesn't put on human skin. And yet, and yet, enter the Redeemer who did exactly that. Who does exactly this. No other human being has ever taught like Jesus, healed like Jesus, shown personal integrity like Jesus, morality, honesty, power, love, resurrection like Jesus. No one. And hear this. The same power of Jesus in all of this is available to Christ followers who put their trust in him today sitting in front of me. Nothing's changed. That same power that has done all these marvelous things is, is moving in this place, if you like. It's ours for the asking and the taking. That little passage speaks about the everlasting Father. What Father figure do you have in your mind? I did a wedding in Joburg uh, quite a few years ago now. And at the reception after the wedding, a man came up to me of my, about my age uh, and said to me, uh, that was a very good service. Thank you. So I said, oh, thank you very much. He said, I'm getting married uh, shortly. I wonder whether you'd consider marrying us. And I looked at his age and I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> he said, I said, well, you know, if we can work out the detail and uh, sure. He said, I'm going to fetch my fiance. She's here. He came, came back with one of the most stunningly beautiful women I have ever seen in my life after my wife. <laughs> Her name was Penny. I took one look at Penny. And when I'd got my breath back, I said to myself, Derek, you're in trouble here. Because this girl is easily 20, 25, maybe more years younger than the man she's going to marry. And I said to them, I'll tell you what, come and see me. <laughs> That's the chicken run, by the way. 
So they came to see me and I said, listen, I'm going I'm to give it to you straight. If nobody else is going to tell you, I'm telling you, there's a hell of a big age difference here. And, and you better convince me why I should marry you. Because society says, no go. Started with Don. Don, very successful pharmacist, uh, professional photographer, active, energetic, loved hiking and doing all the crazy things that hikers do with respect to a few sitting over there. And, and, and he just, he couldn't sit still for a minute. His best was to climb the top of the Drakensberg with a camera and take a picture of sunrise and this sort of stuff. He was always on the go. And uh, his wife uh, stayed at home and knitted. And he said to me, Derek, there was just nothing, you know. I mean, I went my way, she went her way, and eventually we called it quits. And he said, you know, and here comes the words. He said, I need, I need someone who will do life with me, who will be blessed doing things with me together, that we can enjoy one another's company, that we can do the same things and enjoy it and, 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 and really do things like this together. And he said, yes, she is. So I said, okay, can't argue with that. Penny, how about you? Bear in mind, I said that Penny was 25 years younger than this man. Eh? One of the first things she said to me was, and this is my point, I need a father figure. And I said, whoa, stop right there. You don't marry a father figure. Convince me. Why? Her story was ugly. Ugly. Uh, she had grown up in a hugely abusive home. Her father, I can't find the right word, had abused her emotionally, mentally, and sexually her entire life from puberty. With mommy sleeping in the bedroom next door. It doesn't get much uglier than that. And, and this story unfolded as she told the story of how the father had, and she didn't spare the details either, which I will spare you. Um, but it was, I just sat with my mouth up. I couldn't believe what I was listening to. And she said, you know what, Derek? I've got a, my picture of a, of a real father is someone who is strong, protective, caring, sensitive, loving, thoughtful, and she reeled these words off to me. And she said, here he is. Here he is. She'd fallen in love with a man that fitted her like that. And I, you don't argue. You know, that, that was okay. I said, all right, let's do that. And I married them in a, in a restaurant in Santon. Uh, he took her around the world uh, for a honeymoon. Um, and they became personal friends of ours. We loved going to be with Don and Penny, your name was. And, and she was just, they were just the most beautiful couple. 
You know, they did things together. They, you know, the age meant nothing. Nothing. It was just an amazing, amazing friendship and marriage. And then one day I got the phone call. Hey, Derek, this is Don. I just want you to know that Benny's got cancer. And I buried her nine months later. It's one of the biggest funerals I've ever conducted. Because this couple drew people to them like bees in a honeypot. You know, they had a relationship, they had a, a togetherness that was tangible. You know, it was the most incredible, incredible relationship to see. And you know what? I think that's God's picture for us. That we have relationships like this with Him and with one another. That, that uh, you know, the power of Jesus, because they were deeply committed Christians, these two. The power of Jesus in a, in a relationship changes everything. The Bible says that we all yearn for a proper dad. My paraphrase. Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus, the Redeemer. A Savior who is irrationally and consistently in love with us and meets every need and cares deeply, deeply and protective of us. The kind that the best human fathers can't do enter Jesus we all need we all need a redeemer we all need a savior who gives us perfect love and wisdom and tenderness and it's not limited to diaries and resources and geography we need a father who is with us all the time and goes with us even into eternity we need an Emmanuel father Redeemer, God with us, enter Jesus, the Redeemer. In this Advent season, I have a shrewd suspicion that there's a love tugging us back to a Father's love. This whole series, in a sense, is about the love of God calling us into relationship with Himself and His Son, reaching out from a bed of straw. Could it be that there are many of us here today who need this loving Savior more desperately than we need air? Lastly, Isaiah spoke of a prince of peace. Peace is not a terribly difficult concept, you know. It's about getting along with one another on a family, national and global scale. It's easy to say quickly. Not so easy to make it happen. But without God in the equation, we're never going to get it right. Enter Jesus. Enter the Redeemer. Enter Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is the single and only reconciling agent in the universe. And will never be, ne never be another one. Bible says that when you put your hand in the one reaching out from a bed of straw and from a blood-stained cross, 
When you put your hand in his hand, you're reconciled back to God in a miraculous and eternal way. So, are you weary of the struggle? Weary enough to stop running from God? Weary enough to say, oh God, I want peace in my heart. I want Jesus to fill my life with his touch. I need this Redeemer. Do you feel far from God? Do you feel love tugging at your heart? Reaching out from a bed of straw? I urge you to respond to the love tugging you back to God with a powerful grasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. Enter Jesus the Redeemer. All he wants is for us to come, poor as we are, so that he can fill us with his love and forgiveness and power and peace. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word this morning.